week we talked about Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. If you want to turn back there, that's fine. We won't be there very long, but Ezekiel 37. And we talked about the vision that Ezekiel had of standing in the Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah? Um, or do you remember this? Okay. Um, somebody somebody uh, 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 shared something the other day. It said, you know, you leave. We leave on Sunday. And we're like, that was a powerful message. And then Monday morning we wake up and say, what was the message about? And uh, if you feel guilty ever for that, it's the same way for me. Wow, that was a good sermon. I'm so glad I was able to deliver that. Thank you, Jesus, Monday morning. What did I preach about yesterday? Um, no laughter. Loosen up, friends. In church, we can have fun, yes? Maybe I'm just not funny. Um, so last week we were talking about Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel finds himself there, this Valley of Dry Bones, all around him. And God gives Ezekiel this question. He said, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I hope you remember Ezekiel's response. He said, God, only you know. Only you know if these bones can live, if they can take on life and breath again. And then Ezekiel goes on to write about this vision that he has. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, testify to the bones testify to the bones and tell them to, to come together and he watched them he watches them come together and, and uh, muscles form between them and skin forms upon them and then they're standing these, these bodies come together they stand in the valley there and then God says again testify speak life into them speak breath into them speak spirit into them and so Ezekiel does and they begin to 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 take on breath and he says an entire army rises up all around him of what was once dry bones now living spiritual beings all around him see I think the mark of revival, the fruit of revival will be when the people of God, when the followers of Jesus cannot stop speaking the name of Jesus. I think that, that the, the mark of revival is going to be where once there was dry bones, now there is an army of Jesus people that are out within the community this morning I said to someone, I said, you know, it's Sunday morning, this hour on Sunday morning, this is not the most important thing that we will do this week. This is not the most important calling that we have. The most important calling that you have and that I have is to be outside of this building telling people about Jesus. That's it. So if we're not here together on Sunday morning and yet we're out in the community and we're telling as many people as we can about Jesus and we can't shut up about Jesus, then we are doing some great work. But if we come together for an hour on Sunday morning and we fail to speak the name of Jesus outside these walls, we are failing the mission. We are failing the kingdom call that Jesus has given to us. Ezekiel 37 was our alert 
to begin this series together. I've been saying all along, this is more than a series, a a topic that I'm going to preach on for a number of weeks. Instead, this is a wake-up call. This is a call for us to submit to God, to cry out to Him for His Spirit to come through prayer and through fasting. We need you, Jesus. I said last week that God desires to breathe new life into us through his Holy Spirit. Do we believe that, friends? That God desires to give us a new, more transformed way to live our lives. Do we believe that? See, and then we get to Isaiah 64, which is actually where we're going today. If you turn to Isaiah 64, we're just going to read a few verses. This is our plea To the Lord this morning. This is our plea for revival this morning. Isaiah chapter 64. And the prophet Isaiah, he writes this beginning with verse 1 of the 64th chapter of Isaiah. He says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would tremble before you. Verse 2. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down and make your name known to your enemies. And cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down. And the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You know what Isaiah is writing here? He's saying, God, we've seen you do it before. We want to see you do it again. Amen? See, that's what we were just singing. That's the power of those words. God, we've seen you do it before. Won't you do it again? We've seen you do it before, but God, we don't want to live in the, in the stories. We don't want to live in the historical accounts of what you've done among the people of God before. God, we want to be a part of it. We want to play a role in that. God, even if we never see This awesome revival that we are envisioning, God, we want to be a part of it. I want our teams, Jalen, Michaela, Grace, Austin, I want you to be a part of it. I want us to to experience what God has in store for us. I would have called Addison out, but she's not in here at this moment. She says, I always yell. Maybe I do. Maybe I do. But it's because I believe in this stuff. And it's because I, we, we, we have to want it so very desperately. So Isaiah writes here, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. This was their plea Throughout the Old Testament, 
Isaiah continued to, to write this. The prophets throughout the Old Testament write about this God that you would tear open the heavens and come down and be with us. They wanted a God that would come down from heaven. A God that would grant them victory over their enemies. That would stand against their enemies. Make them victorious. They wanted a God that had... They said, we've seen what you've done in the past. Act as you have before. That's what Isaiah writes. That you would rent, tear open the heavens, and come down. I wonder, have you ever wanted to see God? You ever wanted to see God? I heard a yes over here. I heard a bunch of kids yelling in the background there. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that ever wanted to see God. To meet him in his presence. To know him intimately. To know his thoughts. To talk with him. And ask him about his ways. God, why did you do this? Why did you, why did you create that? You ever wonder why God created, would you say, ticks? Darlene wants to know, that's, that's Darlene's first question to God. Why did you make ticks? Probably not. If you ever wanted to look at God face to face and finally see him, physically look upon him, gaze upon his face, his beauty before you, to stand in his presence and feel his power. See, I think that's why we're not going to be able to ask God, why did you invent ticks? Why did you create ticks? Because we're going to stand in his presence and in his power. And we're going to be so overcome that we're not going to be able to. But I want to know what it's like to stand before the throne of God. There's great fear there. There's great wonder of what that's going to be like. And so don't, don't get me wrong. There's this, there's this gut check in me that says, are you sure, Adam, that you want to, you want to stand before the Almighty God. But just as the prophet Isaiah wrote 700 B.C., he wrote this 700 years before Jesus would come. He wrote, we beg and we plead, God, come down from heaven and dwell among us. And so he did. He did. God came down from his throne in heaven. He spent 30 years living among us as a common man. Born a humble birth. Living a humble, ordinary life. He then spent his final three years of his life teaching, mentoring, healing, training, ministering to those who were in desperate need. And yet we... We're not satisfied. See, we wanted a king that, that, that was not a servant. We wanted someone that would reign on his throne, not serve with a towel. We asked God to come down from heaven and do what he had done in the past. To stand against our enemies and to establish his kingdom. But because God didn't come to reign on an earthly throne as an earthly king, our response was to hand him over to the highest power that we could find. So that he could be nailed to a cross and suffocate and die. And because he's God, 
he did something amazing. Because he's God, he did something that we never expected him to do. He died. He died. I mean, he said he was dying for our sins, right? We read, the, we read the New Testament. Jesus said he died for our sins. Do we agree on that? And he said that he was dying so that all of humanity could be reconciled to him. But still, he died. And maybe he did die for our sins. But a dead man can't save me. And a dead man can't save you. So three days later, this dead man, right, Jesus, he comes back. He's not dead anymore. Amen? He's alive and he's God. And he's taken away the, the curse, the sin of mankind. He's proven that he has power over sin, over Satan, and over death. See, we, we beg and we plead, God, come down from heaven and dwell among us. And so he did. For a little while, at least. Right? And then he comes back from the dead, where many are holding him as, as God. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the risen one. He spends time here, and then he goes away. Just at the moment, we, as human beings, thought that he was going to be exalted, that he was finally going to take his rightful place on the throne, that he was going to be the earthly king that we had been calling out for, that Isaiah was pleading for. Just at that moment, he ascends back to heaven with the promise of a future gift, right? Ten days after this, with the sound of a mighty wind, the appearance of tongues of fire, God comes down again from heaven in the form of his Holy Spirit. But this time he doesn't dwell among us. Instead, this time he dwells within us. See, isn't that just like God? We're always calling out for him to do something, and he doesn't do it exactly our way. You ever find that to be true? God, I need you to fix this problem, and I need you to fix it exactly this way, and do this, and then do that, and then do that, and everything's going to be fine. And God never does that, at least in my life. He never does it. I'm always standing there with egg on my face. People still say that, right? Can you speak? No? No, they don't say that? Okay, I'll stop saying that then. Okay. I'm always standing there embarrassed, completely embarrassed. I thought, you know what? I, I said God was going to fix it this way and this way and this way. But he's proven that he's going to do it better. So ten days after he ascends to heaven, with the sound of a mighty wind, the appearance of tongues of fire, God comes down from heaven in the form of his Holy Spirit. He doesn't come down as we have begged and pleaded him to, but instead now he dwells within us. God comes down from heaven and he gives us help and he gives us comfort and he gives us understanding and he gives us power. But again, we're not satisfied. And you know that to be true. See, we wanted a God that we could see. 
We wanted a God that we could understand, a God that we could even, dare I say, control. And our response to, to Jesus giving us this great gift, the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said would give us the, the ability to do even greater things than we had seen him do here on earth. I mean, think of some of the greatest things you've ever seen Jesus do. Jesus said, once I give you this gift, the Holy Spirit, you're going to be doing even better things than that. His disciples, their minds were blown as they should have been. So Jesus gives us this great gift, his Holy Spirit, and our response is what? Fear. We have shut down and we have shut out God's Holy Spirit. And we continue to live our lives without this great gift who is God. We continue to live our lives without this help, this comfort, and this power. We continue to live our, guys, our, our lives, church, without God. We beg and we plead. God, won't you come down from heaven? Won't you dwell among us? And then we wonder why he hasn't. Right? Where is God in our lives? Where is God in our church? Where is God in our schools? Where is God in our world today? And so we continue to beg and we continue to plead, God, come down from heaven and dwell among us. We ignore all of these things that he's done, everything that, not that he's done in the past, but every gift that he's given for us today. And we ignore it and we say, well, that's not good enough. I don't like that. I'm afraid of that. I don't understand that. I can't control that. So we ignore God and we just keep pushing him out and pushing him out of our homes and pushing him out of our schools and pushing him out of our churches. Because we don't like it. We're not comfortable with it. God, won't you come down from heaven and dwell among us? And then we find out one day he will come, right? One day he will come down from heaven. Just as we have been begging and pleading him to, he will come down from heaven and he will dwell among us. He will take his throne here on earth. He will be that king that we have been begging and pleading for. And on that day, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and proclaim that Jesus is Lord, that he is king. Amen? And on that day, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And on that day, Jesus will establish his kingdom. But church, we cannot wait for that day. To proclaim Jesus as our Savior. We cannot wait for that day to proclaim Jesus as our Lord. He's given us all of these, these evidence, all of this proof, all of the, 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 the powerful existence of his presence in our lives. And yet we just keep pushing him off and pushing him off and pushing him off. Waiting for that greater day and that greater gift. We must make sure that we have a right relationship with God today. We must make sure that we have a right relationship with his Holy Spirit today. We, the, 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 the time for ignoring and being fearful of and pushing off his Holy Spirit is long, long behind us. 
That day ended when the Holy Spirit came and Peter began to speak. We cannot be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So this morning I just want us to consider three questions. Three very simple questions. Because as I said, I think the mark of revival, the fruit of revival, the, the evidence of revival is going to be the people can't stop speaking about Jesus. Not that the church will be filled, but that people won't be able to stop talking about Jesus. So here's the three questions. You ready for the first one? Here it is. Power, it's powerful. It's powerful. Powerful. You ready? And ask it. Do you know Jesus? Why we're so, I don't know why we're so afraid to ask that question. We're, we're afraid to answer. People are afraid to answer. Not, not us. Surely not us. Amen? Not us. But people are afraid to answer that question publicly in churches. Do you know Jesus? Well, Pastor, you shouldn't ask that. Make sure everybody's got their heads down. Make sure every eye is closed. And then you ask, do you know Jesus? I don't know why we're afraid. We're afraid to ask that in church. And if we're afraid to ask that in church, what message does that send? If the pastor's afraid to ask in church, do you know Jesus? And yet they stand up here and say, now go to your friends and go to your relatives and go to your co-workers and go to your neighbors and ask them, do you know Jesus? What kind of a message are we sending here? Do you know Jesus? He said in, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, have you heard this? I am the way, the truth. I stumbled on this the other day. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Love that. So that means that, that means that there is no other way to God. That's threatening, isn't it? There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. Because he said it very clearly. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is found in no one but Jesus, Peter wrote. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. See, these are hard truths. These are truths that, 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 that some of the world are not ready to handle... But it doesn't make it any less the truth, does it? Do you want to be saved? Do you on that day when, when, when Jesus returns and calls everyone home on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, do you want him to say, come on in, spend eternity with me? If so, Jesus is the way. And so it's important that we ask that question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? I said, to, uh, I said to a teenager just the other day, they said, well, I don't know how my friends would handle that. And I said, listen, if you've got, uh, if you've got the greatest truth in the world, but you, you just hold on to it and you never tell anybody about it, what kind of a friend are you? Right? Don't you tell, don't you tell other people about your, 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 your best friend? Yeah, I can't stop talking about my best friend. I know this. But we can stop talking about Jesus, right? Because that's just something I do on Sunday morning for an hour. No. 
We've got to change that. We've got to flip that upside down. Do you know Jesus? The second one, and maybe this is a little bit more threatening. Maybe this one's going to take a little bit more unpacking for us in our daily lives. We ask somebody this question, do you have sin in your life? Well, what's sin, pastor? Any, anything that goes against the will of God. Well, what is the will of God? Now, we gotta, now we've got to navigate through scripture, don't we? Because maybe what you call sin is not what I identify sin as. Maybe what you identify sin as is not what I identify sin as. So listen, here's the thing. Here's, here's where we as believers, if you're a believer today, or if you become a believer today, if you begin to follow Jesus with your life and commit and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't know exactly what that means yet, but I want to follow you because I want to make sure that on that day of judgment that I, that I get a good report and I get to get in. Jesus, you say that you're the only way, so I better follow you, Jesus. And so even though I don't know what that means, I want to follow you. Here's where we have to kind of navigate a little bit in our world today. Are you with me? Now stick with me because I'm going to say something that might sound threatening. We have to be willing to be wrong and we have to be willing to have conversations. Are, are you still with me? Because I might, I might identify something as sin right off. It's black and white. It's sin. And you know what more and more I'm finding? Is that that the, the black and white sin is not as black and white as I once thought it was. And it's not as easy as to say, well, you're wrong and I'm right, and build that wall right from the start. Instead, we have to be willing to have conversations with people who are not yet exactly like us. It's healthy. And we have to be willing to be wrong, to be shown the truth according to Scripture. I mean, what better teacher... If I sit down with someone who does not identify a sin in the same way that I identify a sin, and I sit down with them and I say, you know what, let's just look at scripture together. Let's just read it together. Maybe at the end of our conversations we're still going to disagree, but that's okay. As long as we're pursuing Jesus together. What better teacher? Do you have sin in your life and you're going to have to unpack that you're going to have to if you ask that question to someone you might have to change the word sin into something do you have something in your life that you know to be wrong but you just keep on doing it and you just keep on doing it well let's let's talk about that because here's the reality god cannot be in the presence of sin that's the problem sin is the problem you're not the problem hell was not created for you or for me Hell was created for an entirely different purpose. I had to stop there because I'm going to have to go on for another hour if I go down that rabbit trail. But let me just say, none of us, no one in this world was hell created for. But because of sin, which is the problem, God cannot be in the presence of sin, especially for all of eternity. So we must confess our sin. We must, we must confess it to Jesus and, get, and, and, and find repentance and, and forgiveness in him. God cannot bless you. Listen to this. Let me, let me say this. God cannot bless you, fully bless you, if you have sin that you continue to harbor and hold on to in your life. I said there were three questions. I'm running out of time. Here's the final one. Are you honoring the Holy Spirit? Are you honoring the the Holy Spirit. Because see, I could say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm perfect. 
I don't commit any sin. Darlene, don't give me that look. <laughs> My wife's not in here either this morning, so she couldn't give me that look. So anyway, I can say, you know what, I follow Jesus. And at this moment, I don't have any unconfessed sin in my life, so I'm good, right? See, the next question we have to ask is, are we honoring the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you fully honoring the Holy Spirit, His presence, His power in your life? We cannot fully embrace God until we fully accept all of Him, which is the Holy Spirit. That's what we have today. And so as we close this morning, we are going beyond this plea for God to come down from heaven and dwell among us. We are going beyond that. We're going to pray these very words of Psalm 85, which says, Now restore us again, O God of our salvation. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? I'm not asking for a response in these questions. These are between you and God. Do you know Jesus? Do you have any sin? In your life. And are you honoring. His Holy Spirit this morning. Father God. We pray for. We pray for your spirit. We pray for your, your presence. But God more than anything else. Pray that we would not ignore your call. Jesus, you know us individually. You know, God, where we stand in our relationship with Jesus. You know who in this room this morning does not have an ongoing right relationship with Jesus. You know those in this room this morning, God, that are holding on to sin. Because the difficulty of, of turning it over just seems so, so unbearable. Jesus, help us to see the consequence on the other side of not letting go of those sin. Let us not be the judge, Lord Jesus, any longer. But Jesus, let us just turn others over to you. For you, God, to work out their heart. For you, God, to work out their lives in your time, Holy Spirit. We pray that we would not dishonor you any more, God. That we would not dishonor your Holy Spirit. That we would not fear your Holy Spirit. That we would not fear the work that you are doing. The work that you desire to do, Holy Spirit, in our lives and in our church and in our world today. Lord God, we turn our lives over to you. And we pray for your blessing today. Church family, I say to you this morning as we close with this song, if you want more of the Holy Spirit this morning, come to the altar. It's open for you. That's what it's here for. I'd love to pray with you. If you have the desire, I'd love to anoint you as you kneel at the altar as we pray together.